0: listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa, the Chumash, and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Sir Auntie Charmaine Fury, aka The Blazing Blurred, the... <laughs> busiest mixed race, bi-gendered, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, and two-time Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award-winning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is the sixth edition of the Mix Auntie Confidential episodes, and uh, the last one until we come back in September, because I'm going to go on hiatus in August, so unless Auntie Teresa wants to do one solo, which is option... Um,
1: Auntie Teresa, what are we talking about today? Ooh, we're going to get messy. We're going to get messy because the U.S. government is hella messy, messy right <laughs> now. It's always somewhat messy, yeah. often problematic, but we are at a time, a place, and a crossroads between hearings on the January 6, 2021 insurrection, I call it a coup, and the former POTUS, um, and Friday's Supreme Court ruling, um, taken down Roe versus Wade and national access to legal abortion. So we can't not talk about this.
0: We can't not. And uh, so at the time this this drops, it will it will have been uh, like a full two weeks or so since uh the news passed and almost immediately we saw how quickly and negatively that decision impacted so many places and because we are a mixed race podcast and because we are mixed race people uh, obviously the first thing we start to think about is how does this impact the brown folk <laughs> yeah how you know how is this um In what ways are we going to suffer? And in a lot of cases, it's obvious that we will be the ones that suffer the most, regardless of even if we're in the category of even needing access to to this kind of stuff. Because once you start eroding general basic human health rights, when you start eroding those away, uh, it makes it so much easier to erode everything. Yes. (laughs) And we're already seeing it. So it's messy. And we're not afraid to talk about messy stuff. So... I guess buckle up (laughs) strap in y'all let's see what happens (laughs) uh and of course I'm going to do my nervous laughter thing that I always do whenever I'm upset about something and and haven't been able to fully process it all the way through uh because if I don't I'm gonna rip my hair out I don't know and I live in Texas and you live in Georgia yeah baby and we're going to see some, I mean, we've probably both have already seen stuff, but we're going to try to talk about this in as general broad terms as we possibly can. But, you know, we can already see it. We can already see it.
1: Absolutely, Charmaine. So what, what the first thing that I think about, right, is I, I put this under the headline of, and I think this is critical for us to discuss as mixed race people, regardless of our mixes, Okay, this is where everyone needs to tune in and understand. And we're talking about systems, institutions. We're talking about the government. Okay, the government is political whiteness. Political whiteness. So that right now, you know, one of the strengths and one of the gifts of militantly mixed. Which has been going for four years. Congratulations! (laughs) Thank you. Um, One of the great gifts, and your brilliance, Charmaine, is that these this podcast is intensely personal, and you always, you and your guests, our cousins, always manage through authenticity and heartfelt conversation to make the personal universal. That's a gift, that's a gift, and not everyone knows how to do that. Today, we're going to park the personal for a minute and go to the political, because whatever your mix, whatever you look like, however you grew up, whatever your cultural, racial, ethnic, national, religious affiliation, identity, or anything else in these United States You have to understand systemic racism. Mm -hmm. And I, and in this case, we're really talking about what I call political whiteness. Yeah. If you have personal whiteness of any kind, then you might respond in different ways. Be prepared Mm -hmm. for that. We said, this is going to be messy. Buckle up. Yeah. But we're not doing it to be controversial we're not doing it to trigger or harm or damage anybody we are literally all in this together
0: mm-hmm.
1: in very profound potentially life altering ways mm-hmm. so when we talk about political whiteness we're looking at the systems that impact every aspect of our lives
0: mm-hmm. and acknowledging too that these decisions that are being made by these uh, you know so called elite people um, will not be impacted by the decisions that they're making in the way they impact mm-hmm. the rest of us. So that is where you separate um, personal whiteness existing in white skin or white presenting white assumption and political whiteness, right? Like that, that's where you all aren't all on the same team sometimes where you might think that you are. And they're brilliant in their strategy in making them feel like they're part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't keep getting into office with some of the folks that are that are coming out to vote for them. But mm-hmm. uh, the stuff you are going to be impacted by related to these decisions, they are going to continue to have access to. They will not be persecuted for it or prosecuted for it. And so at the end of the day, all of us, I want to say all of us, but I know that that's a hard that's a hard um view for some folks whether brown or or not rich (laughs) basically white uh, we're all going to be we're all going to be impacted about this even if we don't need it like even like we're just not a person who's going to need it or we've we're not old enough for it yet or we've aged out of it yet or we biologically can't it doesn't mean that it's not impacting you because it's also giving people access to make decisions about the, st- the other stuff you know um, we were talking about interracial relationships was popping up as a possible uh, or interracial marriage is a possible thing um, it's gonna affect adoption it's gonna affect yes it's gonna affect different rights gay marriage it's gonna it's gonna affect all levels of life so we're gonna try and probably it's gonna be more of a challenge for me um, to to be as broad and, and stuff as pot- possible but I think the important thing that we are trying to address in terms of political whiteness is um, how insidious it is, like how, how it gets into things that it just sneaks in when you're not even looking. We thought we heard about Roe v. Wade, but what we also heard was Miranda, write, right? Uh, you know, like, and that got in there, too. You know, so there's a bunch of different things. There's access to certain privacy that, that got eroded away and stuff like that, too. So they're waving a big hand telling you about the big issue while sliding in other things that are equally important, but just not getting as much attention. So we, we have to be paying attention to have this conversation. And in so much as it affects mixed people, I think in this case, we can make these parallels across all brown folks,
1: Yes. All people of color, basically. Yeah. And people might be, you know, there's a there's a there's a hierarchy. There's a scale. Right. Mm -hmm. But a sliding scale. But even when there's a sliding scale, the people making the decisions and the institutions Mm -hmm. involved in making the decisions and then imposing the decisions on us. That's what I refer to as political whiteness. Even if every person isn't white, mm-hmm. i.e., Justice Clarence Thomas, Claire, and we can talk about him and what drives him later, because that is also a function of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. What drives his politics? What drives his his decisions on the court that yeah. impact? All of our lives, right?
0: And none of us can be surprised because look at how he enters. (laughs) Look at how he enters.
1: I mean, he—I'll say this now because I think it's important, and it veers off a little, bit, it doesn't because he's the. All of a sudden, after being almost silent for decades, Mm -hmm. okay, he's now the spokesperson. Mm -hmm. uh, He's—he's the one talking in all the interviews. We're like, oh, he's speaking up.
0: It's it's a—it's a big case of Operation Get Behind the
1: Darkie. Get behind the darkie and a role he's happy to assume. Mm -hmm. But one thing that drives him, and this goes to racial politics, and then we'll go back to political whiteness. Mm -hmm. But we can't ever discount these things. So imagine he grows up, he's um, Gola, background, dark-skinned boy. Mm -hmm. He grew up where, I don't know all the specifics, but his mother and father gave him to relatives and him and his brother to relatives to raise. And he has publicly stated, and this is what drives a lot of his decisions, which are, you know, profoundly anti-Black when he votes in this position of immense power, is that Black people made fun of him as a little boy for the way he talked, his Gullah accent, and most profoundly for being dark skinned Mm -hmm. okay so again we won't dwell on that we may come back to that in the future when we talk about colorism but the the racial dynamics in general colorism and those things in specific can drive people he's an extreme example of someone who got on the supreme court in very questionable ways
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and is in a position of power and impacts our lives and will impact American life for generations to come. And he is fueled by a hatred of black people mm-hmm. and a drive for revenge against the people who harmed him as a child mm-hmm. or rejected him as a child, whatever his thing is, okay? That can't be overlooked. So when we, but when you say political whiteness, you don't have to be white to align yourself right. with political whiteness. And you don't have to be white to enact it on other people.
0: Right. Which is something that we, we there. I mean, there's multiple people, um, brown people in politics that we, we talk about stuff like this. So, I mean, even Kamala Harris, which is both a mix of being exciting that she is in the position she's in and also nerve wracking because she was top cop here in California or i used to be in california back when i used to live in california um she's married to a white man she she also aligns herself with um political whiteness in cases and especially like in view of what she just said about the decision for roe v wade and how um the administration wasn't looking at any kind of federal land to place safe um safe uh, clinics on and things like that like you know for some people on the left who would say she's on our side she also aligns herself with political whiteness and 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 makes decisions and has uh uh, prosecuted people brown people black and brown people for things that um the reason why those things are happening is white supremacy systemic racism and things like that so you know they don't all have to be uh You know, like they they can they can be an AKA, they can perform black in spaces, but they can also be aligned with political whiteness and and put the rest of us in danger. So um, I think always having that in the top of your head, like 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 not in the back, but like at the top reminders that it does not matter in the case of people at that high level of politics. It does not matter what racial backgrounds they have in terms of uh, their alignment what matters is that the positions that they hold and who put them in those positions and how they maintain those positions. And I think, you know, with uncle ruckus um, that is the case is that, you know, he, he has this series of things that make him not align with his own tribe basically. And then, you know, He's he's in the position that he's in. He's married to a white woman, a white woman who is by far involved in the coup. If we if we're if we're paying attention, Mm -hmm. Um, the Mm -hmm. amount of corruption that is happening before we even get to this ruling is out of control. But, um, you know, going back from blocking Obama, being able to put somebody on the Supreme Court before Trump got in there, like we're, we're talking about there's. Layers to this. There's stacks and yes. stacks and stacks of things that happen to make all this possible. And and I'm gonna say that the Conservative Party was a very patient party. Yes. Because they've been trying to do this probably forever. But in terms of what I'm tracking, we're we're going to Nixon and then working our way through Reagan and Bush and yes, you know, blah blah blah. Yes. <sighs> so. I mean, I don't even fucking know where to begin, except that, well, like,
1: political whiteness. I want to, I want to kind of get back looking, into wanna into that. It, well, I want to keep it there because that's what we're really talking about. You just gave a beautiful example. Um, and sometimes President Obama as well. I mean, again, when people get into those, fair, absolutely fair, we can be excited. Like you said, there's, you know, more than one thing can be true at once. You can be excited about the representation. You can enjoy the representation. You can celebrate the representation. Kamala Harris is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. And yet still be fully aware that, you know, as they say, all skin folk aren't your kin folk. When it comes Mm -hmm. to political whiteness, okay, you've got to look at where people actually land, that when people actually have their hands on the levers and the controls, of Mm -hmm. systems institutions laws policy okay that's what we have to be able to see clearly we can appreciate all the other but we cannot let it blind us to political whiteness let me explain what i mean (laughs) political whiteness means that this country the united states of america was founded on a binary axis okay of white supremacist domination, and anti-Black racism, okay? That's what this country was built on. That is the foundation that underlies every aspect of life in this country. That is why when you compare any Black person to any white person, the disparities, economic, educational, health, Quality of life, length of life, longevity, da 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 da, COVID, any any health issue that comes up, every single aspect of life, the ability to get a mortgage, the you know everything, the ability to buy a home where you want to, the ability to keep your home if your community is being gentrified, every aspect of life is impacted by political whiteness and what thank you for taking it back to Nixon. What I as a boomer have been able to observe ever since then is that these systems and the government overall was founded on and exists to maintain, to preserve whiteness, white supremacy. Okay. And yes, Mm -hmm. there are occasional exceptions. So while I was growing up, black people got the right to vote, but that right is never guaranteed. We're still Mm -mm. fighting. It has to be
0: brought up as a recent thing in Texas that they're trying, that they would like to get rid of.
1: I mean, they're trying to, you know, very hard to vote last time. You know, just a month or so ago, early voting, it was very, very difficult, almost impossible to vote. Um, Mm. So black people's voting rights aren't even guaranteed, you know, um, uh, you know, Loving versus Virginia, I was a teenager when that passed, right? I'm from the Northwest, so my parents' marriage wasn't illegal, but I was acutely aware of the illegality of interracial marriage in 16 states at the time. Um, They want to roll back many, many things. Roe v. Wade, think of Roe v. Wade rollback, y'all, as, you know how I'll use a sweater and you get a loose thread? And you pull the thread, thinking you fixing something, Absolutely. and it starts yeah. to unravel. Roe v. Wade is that first little thread that you notice. Mm-hmm. You yank it, trying to, you know, fix it, I have it sticking out your sweater. Okay, Roe v. Wade is the tip of the iceberg, literally. Yeah. And the, there are many, and and again, Uncle Ruckus, i.e. Clarence Thomas, has publicly said, next up, contraception, same-sex Relationship, same sex marriage. He has publicly said that, as you pointed out so brilliantly, Charmaine, what they're telling us publicly is what they want us to focus on. Well, they're slipping way worse stuff through out of our, you know, attention, out of our range of attention. As you said, you know, just before Friday um, and Roe v. Wade, okay, everybody was focused on. January six hearings coming up. Mm-hmm. They got us d- distracted from that real quick, didn't they? I f- forgot they were happening. I we straight forgot up forgot they were, they were happening, happening because we're all like, "Wait yeah. a minute, what Roe v. Wade?" Okay, death blow. That was that was that was devastating, and still is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so political whiteness. This is my theory. Um, political whiteness. All these systems and the people who maintain and operate with these systems. Why they want to dismantle abortion, contraception, same sex interactions, and maybe down the road interracial, although both Black Supreme Court justices and our vice president are all interracially married. So maybe that, maybe they'll pause that till later. Who knows? But it's not safe either. Mm-hmm. Um, are designed because census reports of the dwindling b- white birth rate. Combined with census projections on what we euphemistically call the browning of America. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those reports have been going on since before 2008 when President Obama was first elected. All right. So like you said, they're very patient. They formed the Tea Party the day he got elected. Mm -hmm. They don't call it that anymore, but they've Mm -hmm. been working tirelessly strategizing they own and control the major communication outlets Mm -hmm. most talk radio show hosts are rabidly right-wing okay so that propaganda has been going and going and going and going that's all political whiteness so why do they care about abortion because the white birth rate the white death rate is higher than the white birth rate right now in the united states and if you've created a system built on majority rules and you're looking at the fact that you are about to not be in the majority Mm -hmm. you are going to course correct by any means necessary so you're going to roll back access to abortion and we'll get we'll get to the racial disparities and the Crazy logic of that, but you can roll back access to abortion, contraception. Mm-hmm. You're gonna look at the same-sex unions, which are still not legal everywhere, are they?
0: Well, on a federal level, it is, but there are many okay. states that have written laws trying to make them still difficult. But in right. doing so, they okay. are violating the federal law.
1: Okay, so again, that, but that's recent. Everybody, yeah. I mean, that's recent, right? Even in Gen Z lives, that's recent.
0: I mean, even just recently, in terms of like the anniversary of it was in the in the same couple of days around striking down a Roe v. Wade, like mm-hmm. the the seventh year or whatever it was, anniversary of that was around the same date. Mm-hmm. So you're you're like seeing news and and memory having memories and things like that pop up that are showing you like we did such a great thing, you know. We you know Supreme Court upheld, you know upheld Doma and then.
1: Boom. Boom. Roe v. Wade. So I don't know. Roe v. Wade with a promise to be revisiting these other things quickly. So all those things have to do with, and yes, there's patriarchal sexist drivers, no question, but understand the reason they're doing it is because if the white death rate apparently right now is exceeding the white birth rate in a system based on majority rules. That's what I talk about. When I talk about political whiteness, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's political whiteness. It is, it is a, it is an instinct to to preserve yourself and what you deem valuable. Yeah. Which is,
0: it's interesting. And this is not something I feel like I can speak on with any kind of intelligence yet. It, it's interesting to make the move that they make knowing that it's also going to have an impact in, in, in black and Brown and poorer communities. And so like, Yes, we're going to be flooded potentially with a lot of, you know, unwanted pregnancies coming to term possible, like, you know, children not having access to resources and therefore health issues will come in, death rates will come in, all all kinds of stuff. Um, And I guess they're just kind of counting on the black and brown poor folks to sort of die off rather than um, flood the, you know, flood the market too, I guess with, with people um, so that they can still somehow maintain their,
1: their majority. So let me, let me share a couple receipts. Just because I wrote a couple columns about this. Good, because you know, like, yeah, because I'm like, I, I know it's
0: there, but I I'm know. not prepared to talk hours, about
1: it. I spent hours getting the links and the receipts and all of that. So I just want to share some numbers to frame what you're talking about. Because this that's what we need to be focusing on. We're talking about political whiteness, but we're also going to look at the impact on people of color, especially in light of Roe v. Wade rollback, right? So, so check this out. Um I'm a boomer, all right? And in 1973, in 1973, when I was 18 years old, um, Roe v. Wade was passed. Mm. So access to legal safe abortion, right? And there was a, a a report done a few years later, 1976 report on illegal abortions in the United States. Between 1972, the last year, Abortions were illegal in 1974, a year after they became legal. This is from Family Planning Perspectives Journal, stated that, quote, the number of illegal procedures in the country plummeted from around, illegal abortions, plummeted from around 130,000 to 1,000. Wow. Okay. And the number of deaths associated with illegal abortion decreased from 39 to 5 women who died as a result of illegal abortions typically were black more than 12 weeks pregnant and had self-induced in their own community. Mm -hmm. And not to get too graphic, but self-induced usually meant a hanger. Mm. Okay. So, all right. I want to share that. Um, Black and brown women, of course, have a special reaction to, fry, to the, the, the the Supreme Court ruling of June 24th, right? And so another receipt is that the impact of abortion bans will be profound. And uh, the Black Women's Health Imperative says, we know the single most cited reason Black people give for abortion care is the inability to afford a child, right? Okay. And they, in the, with Roe, overturned, they and their children would likely be condemned to a lifetime of poverty and poor health outcomes. Now, does that make sense? Does it make sense? So if the Supreme Court and the government and political whiteness want more white babies born, Mm -hmm. wouldn't they want black and brown people to have abortions? You could think that on the surface, but remember that political whiteness requires... A nonstop supply of black and brown bodies to feed the machines, to feed Mm -hmm. the prison system, to Mm -hmm. feed the foster care system, Mm -hmm. to make sure you've got more black and brown bodies in poverty, Mm because that upholds capitalism, which is part of political whiteness, right? And it
0: fills up the military.
1: And it fills good point fills up the military, the low wage jobs etc yeah. etc it, it maintains your under it feeds the under the underclass that right. political whiteness requires that is a fuel if you have fewer people of color then white people are gonna have to start filling right. some roles okay so you so ironically you don't want ness but you're also i mean even with legal abortion fully available, more black women. I mean, the maternal health rates for all women in the United States are the worst of any developed nation on the planet. This is beyond inexcusable. Yeah. That's with legal. With, with so-called safe
0: legal abortion. We still had a death rate for mothers. That's that is
1: developing nations. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, with black women at the top of the list for maternal death. Mm-hmm. That's with access to safe legal abortion. So you already know the black. And well, brown women- that's what
0: the concept of access, I think too, because I still think you have the other part of the political whiteness, which I think is also just systemic racism is that even when they have access, the treatment is not on par.
1: Yes, good with point. What white people receive too. So, and that's in regardless of income and education, you regardless, could Oprah, yeah. you could be Serena, Serena has died, been vocal. About it, yeah, can you be exactly. more famous and rich and known than Serena? I think not. And yet right. she had major problems while giving birth to Olympia, right? Yeah, good point, good reminder. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So Another thing to think about with that picture. Okay. Let me share, let me share, let me share a story. So I'm a boomer and I spent many of my public education years in Seattle, Washington, integrating a wealthy white school. So I'm in high school, integrating a wealthy white school. We just had our 50th anniversary this year. So now you know how old I am. All right. Um, Like last week, actually, Mm -hmm. I didn't go. But anyway, (laughs) um, because of this COVID life, but um, but I remember being in high school in the early, the late '60s and the early '70s, and the white girls who got pregnant would go away for a long weekend. I'm in Seattle; they would either go up the street to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Mm -hmm. or down the road. To Mexico, mm-hmm. and they come back the next week openly sharing that they had traveled to get the abortion. Mm. I don't recall a single Black classmate or friend in and out of school, because I, you know, like you, I grew up in a Black community, ever even mentioning the word abortion or discussing the concept. It was still illegal then. Mm-hmm. My One of my best girlfriends got pregnant. She actually jumped out of a window at my house to try to, abort, to try to abort with a steep drop. Her daughter is alive and well and a mother herself. Um, but I remember and I was like, are you sure you want it? Was a, it was crazy. Anyway, she jumped mm. out of a window at my house to try to abort. I don't think I've told that story ever publicly. Um, but she and I talked about it recently and she praise God she had a healthy, happy baby. She became a fabulous mother at 16, 17 years old. But anyway, um, every black girl I knew who got pregnant had a baby, kept a baby. Yeah. Okay. Now, maybe there were some who got sent away to the South and a big mama or something that, you know, I didn't know well. But all the ones I knew of, went to school with, was aware of, they got pregnant, they had the baby, they kept the baby. Whereas the white girls had the means to travel out of the country, North and South, to have their abortions before they were legal in the United States. So let's bring that to the present day. What we know, and I'm not sure if the people making these laws really, really know that, but I think they do. Women of means will still be able to get legal abortions. And by the way, not all states are going to make them illegal. California is already pumping way up. And Gavin has laid down the gauntlet. He's like, we're not turning nobody in they about to partner I'm t- my prediction y'all they about to partner with Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, have a mm-hmm. package for you. I promise. Okay? Yeah. So these some of these some of these other states are like, "Oh no, we going to Okay. Which that's good for those who have the means to get okay? there, yeah. But in your state, and I'm sure I'm in Georgia they are going to follow suit right away. In your mm-hmm. state, you can make $10,000 for reporting a woman what intends to have an abortion
0: there. Yeah. There's so there's intentional, um, the concept of intentional abortion, which is reportable and that person can be put up on charges and you can get a reward for it. Um, There is also talk about them potentially testing women who are traveling out of state at the airports and, or the borders so that you leave knowing they're pregnant so that when you get you come back and get tested. If you are no longer pregnant, you are now eligible for prosecution. Um, that's been discussed here in the state of Texas, which I don't even know how you begin to manage, first of all. I, you, can't, like,
1: you can't even manage COVID testing, but never mind. I'm
0: talking, you know, like, whatever. So, because I'm for damn sure not subjecting myself to a pee test at an airport, or no. if I'm driving my car out of state and no. pull like get pulled over because they notice there's a woman in the car and they have me pee on something, fucking no, I'm never, like, In that case, I'm going to have to go to jail because I don't know what else I'm doing. Um, So there's been talk about stuff like that. Uh, So with some with a state like California, like if you can get to California, great. Newsom has said they're not going to turn in any doctors and they're not going to extradite any healthcare professionals. And there'll be a safe zone, a, a category safe zone for for women. Great. But who can who? In my neighborhood alone, like I'm, you know, I can't even exclude myself from it because I probably can get there. But in my neighborhood alone, where I live, I know that the majority of the people would not be able to get there um, or whatever the closest right. state would be for right. that safety, you know? Right. Um, so it's pretty wild. And then also, Texas is talking about
1: secession. So. Which they've been talking about for the whole time. So it's like, whatever. But um, talking about, and this, I mean, you shut me up, which is, we all know, is hard to do. Because I didn't, <laughs> I knew about the $10,000, but not the details. So thank you for sharing. But y'all, listen to what Charmaine said, rewind it and write it down. Because yeah. as Texas goes, know that these other states are taking notes. The other thing is, they're somehow they, are trying to criminalize having a miscarriage. Yes.
0: Which is the case in Alabama.
1: Yes. To to, have, to criminalize having a miscarriage, which uh, that's beyond the beyond. Even there are so many things that can go quote unquote wrong in your body
0: for any given well, nobody thing. Nobody
1: has an intention. First of all, a miscarriage, which I've had. Mm. Okay. A miscarriage is not something you decide to have or you can have on demand. Let us be clear. And there's cases in which you could be pregnant, not know yet. You and can miscarry. absolutely be pregnant and not know it. So, you can like, absolutely be pregnant and not know it. There are a lot of women who have miscarriages early enough mm-hmm. so they don't know they're pregnant. And it's not... Like when That's I why had you don't me- tell your families for three months. My health because- was in danger. I was, it was horrible. Fever, everything. Yeah. Um. I had to have nursing care. Yeah. Again, I didn't. I mean, you know, I was like, wait, what? You know, like you said, you don't even necessarily know you're pregnant. There are people who don't know they're pregnant until they get hurt. Those are unusual. But yeah, I, mean- I have
0: a sister-in-law that that, that happened to. was at a restaurant. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't, didn't
1: know. Happen. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at all that. We're looking at black and brown women. And then you've got a history of black and brown women in this country. Also, and I have friends this has happened to and family members who go in for routine medical procedures and are sterilized and or mm-hmm. given hysterectomies ag- against, against their will. Or without further explanation
0: will. as to why it's actually
1: needed. It's if it's not it is mean, in fact against actually needed against their will, y'all. Against their will, yeah. Okay, so we're talking about, when we talk about political violence, we're looking at this historically, as well as the nightmare scenario we're describing right now. Yeah. Right?
0: Because nothing that we've stated is a fantasy. These are all things that have happened multiple times over the course of decades and decades that... um that it's not like it's just like, oh, you're just slippery sloping this thing. That's not the case. These things were happening. And the-
1: are happening. And, and are, happening. are going to happen and are going to ramp
0: up. Our right? medical system is brutal without all oh. of these losses, mm-hmm. you know, things coming into play. I mean, when you really just look back at certain history of things, what Google why the chainsaw was invented. It was literally invented for C-sections. And yet somehow it became a tool to shut down trees eventually. You know, like there's so many things that are so brutal that are a part of our healthcare in this country. And then on top of and most of the majority of the time they're created to prevent or to harm black and brown people first or yeah. to test on black and brown people first to make sure that the white people are safe. And and so. You know, it's kind of like, well, great for you if you get to be white or white passing and you, you know, you get to survive those moments. But is that the world that we're talking about that we want to live in where you just because of a roll of a dice end up, you know, a genetic roll of the dice end up being protected by something? But then you throw in poverty in those cases. And in some cases, you're actually subjected to the same type of treatment that black and brown people um, experience, maybe not quite to the same degree, but. Um, you may experience those those things. And does that help you with empathy? Does that help you with caring about humanity across the board? Or does that just make you feel like how dare they treat mm. me like one of them? So mm. there's so many things I think that that um, come into play mm. this like where regular ass people don't don't know enough like even I like I'm fairly well
1: informed and yet I
0: know I don't know enough.
1: None of us do. You just educated me about some of the details in Texas and reminding you that Alabama. I mean, how many of us can walk around? I mean, most of us are busy working, you know, living lives, raising families, being students, whatever, just trying to exist from day to day. And we got to we got to process this. And I like what you just said. You know, the and the thing is, if you so if you are a mixed person who completely identifies with and or presents as white, which we've talked about before, that's really Mm -hmm. a small percentage of at least first generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a small percentage, but we also know, I mean, if we're going to talk about childbirth and this has long been a, you know, the talk about genetic roulette, you can have a baby and you don't know them throwback mm-hmm. genes, baby, them throwback they come back up. genes. You could, you could be having a baby thinking you are living the white life. And that baby, even if the, the you know, father is white or what light or whatever and a baby pops out looking like an ancestor (laughs) and this happens it happens all the time you have no control over this i mean that's one of the big things about women who pass for white the big part of the story was when they got pregnant even by a white guy they were holding their breath the whole pregnancy yeah okay they didn't get to breathe till that baby popped out
0: like please don't be any more than olive's tone okay. or some shit like that and yeah
1: then you know those ancestors and those genes they then you know they don't they don't care about your little feelings no okay they will pop out and be like hey 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 yeah and it can go, go
0: any direction it like i we mean i have a direction. sister who's blonde and right. blue eyed when she was born and we right. have a very similar face at least she looks like i looked at at her age and stuff but you know she turned out i don't know why she turned out as white as she did I know we have, you know, obviously I know we have white, but like, why does she turn out that white, you know? Exactly. Um, So
1: that's the other thing is where do you fall based on how you identify, how you see yourself in the world? And again, we're not judging, criticizing, shaming, or blaming. We're just asking you to consider, to understand political whiteness objectively, mm -hmm. systemic racism objectively, because that's what's driving Every single thing we're referring to from the January 6th insurrection attempted coup to Roe v. Wade to um, the, the Miranda rights, you know, rewind to everything else. Everything is driven by political whiteness. Everything is controlled and fueled and fed by political whiteness. There are no exceptions. Please understand that. And wherever you fall on the spectrum, or whatever whiteness means to you, whatever role it plays in your life, you ultimately are a person of color, politically
0: mm-hmm.
1: a person of color. And if your mix includes black, yeah, you're politically black. And that we're not one-dropping you right here. You're right. That's not we're not telling you you gotta be black, identify with black, roll with yeah. the black. No, we're explaining to you. That from an institutional perspective, or as I like to say, darling, if you would have been a slave, mm-hmm. then you are black. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was a bit of a hi- internal hierarchy, but you was you were not free, honey. You so are so if you were you were and that's the binary this country is built and continues to operate on, and
0: how we filter through other browns, like right. You don't Other get parents. your own category. You just slip down into into black and you get the similar treatment. You just might get diluted levels of-
1: Right. You might get a, but a better version of the yeah. treatment, i.e. house versus field. Maybe. Exactly, That's yeah. not guaranteed. Okay. It's not guaranteed. No. Not, not everybody who looked like me was in the house living the living La Vida Loca, y'all. Right. Okay. And as many people say, yeah, I was in the house getting raped every night. I mean, I I might've chose some cotton bales over that. Right. So yeah, there's so many
0: things. Again,
1: we're not doing oppression. We're saying understand political whiteness as it relates to you, to your identity and to your journey, because Mm -hmm. it's going to impact your life. Mm -hmm. And if you have children, regardless of with whom and what they look like and how y'all affiliate and identify and all that's lovely. But there's a point at which you can't avoid the reality of the systemic moves. Yeah.
0: yeah. Don't be Deontay Wright's mother. Right. Don't say I, I thought my whiteness would protect his life. Right. Cause that's not going to be the case. It's that's never going to be the case. Right. But what, what, An ideal situation for a a country that has voting is that not that you vote based off your personal feelings necessarily, but what is the 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 best in terms of for everyone. For me, I'm not pro abortion. I'm pro access to reproductive health. I'm not out here expecting or thinking I'm going to get an abortion. Should I need to, I would like to know that it is available, but should my next door neighbor need to, I want to know that for her, it is available and that she will come out of it alive and safe and have the ability to have children later down the line. If she wants them, you know, I'm, I'm not out here saying, yeah, I mean, I make jokes about not liking kids and stuff like that, but I'm not, I'm not literally out here, like kill all the babies. i'm not out here saying let's sign up for all the abortions we can possibly get i'm saying that it should be available to people should they need it want it or whatever i don't want people to use it as a form of birth control i think it's a very extreme form of birth control if you if you're one of those people um but I, but I want people to be able to have healthy, legal, safe access to it, and that they'll come home after. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that's what's important to me. This is not a, a pro-life or pro-abortion debate. This is a feeding the system or preserving life debate, and on and the preserving life part is not on the pro-life side. The preserving life part is on the side that votes for the safety and availability of reproductive health for people with uteruses like that's just that's just it like it we need to vote with empathy because you just i don't think we should need to believe it could happen to us to make us make a move you know i know that a lot of people go to that with like you shouldn't sexually harass women because what if you have a daughter Or what if you have a wife? Or what if you have a mother? You shouldn't need a what-if type of scenario like that to give you empathy. You should hopefully just have empathy. I get it that a lot of people may not necessarily do or that you need some more information. But at the end of the day, the way you vote should have more impact on the the safety and um, security of 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 a vaster amount of people than you and your household. Um, these, these, the ways in which they invade our lives and yet we're so still supposed to be flag waving members of this society doesn't make any sense to me. When other countries hear about the so-called freedoms of the United States, they laugh about how repressed we are under this guise of being free. I mean, Thanks. I think with black and brown people, we have more of an understanding of how free we're not. And it's probably a shock to people that are actually white, um, how little freedoms they have. And I wonder how their political whiteness shifts once they get exposed to other things too. But um, you know, at the end of the day, when you, when you look like them, it's a little bit easier. It's just for you to get access to things. So I I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But it's beyond to say that, like, you shouldn't need a story. You shouldn't need a personal story Mm. for the reasons why you make some of the decisions that you make politically, because there's other people beyond you and the scope of what your life is like. I don't know any like even to my closest friends. I don't know what their circumstances are, why they have five kids, why they only have two, why they don't have any unless they tell me. It's none of my fucking business, but do I want them to have access to healthcare? Yes. Do I want them to have access to schools with good textbooks and teachers that actually will treat them with respect and, and not like separate the white kids from the darker skin kid? Yes. I want all that kind of stuff. I, I don't, I'm not affected by most of the stuff I'm willing to vote for on a personal level. Like they're not going to necessarily affect me personally, but it needs to be available to more people than just me. That's the way that I think voting should ideally move. You don't vote about what's your life. You vote about what is the best for the people in your country. And in this case, the people who think abortion, like I'm even seeing women on TikTok and things like that being like, praise God, abortion was made illegal. Uh, So you want people to die. Like you want people to die from poor healthcare treatment for lack of healthcare treatment. You know, you're talking about preserving a life of something that doesn't even actually have a personality yet, may not yet quite have a heartbeat, may not be fully developed. And that somehow is more important than a living, breathing person who's sitting here right now with no access to food, no access to, to home security, no access to healthcare. That like this, this stuff is so backwards and it's, it's infuriating to watch it happen. Um, and I understand why people are talking about wanting to leave the country. I mean, I want to leave the country for other reasons, but this doesn't help, I guess.
1: No, it doesn't. Um, There's a lot of <laughs> talking about that. I want to just kind of build on something you said that's so important, but mm. I love that you brought it up, is voting. Is voting... And again, there's the personal and the political, right? And we all have feelings and we're all subjective and all that. We all are self-serving sometimes.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So I want to expand on what you said because it's so important. The vision I had when you were talking that I love is that to me, you were talking about voting with a wide vision, with a wide angle lens. Yeah. Voting with a wide angle lens. How would this affect other people, even if it doesn't affect me? Yeah. How is this likely to affect the quality of life for other people, which could ultimately affect me? Okay. Yeah. But, um. but, but thinking beyond self to the greater good. So I want to underscore that I want to thank you for so beautifully and powerfully articulating that. And then I want to add to it. And this is hard. And, and I know I'm older and a lot of younger people we fight whenever there's election and people, and even people I know who aren't young, young, like they're old, they're Gen, Gen X. They get mad and they push back and all this, which is, I don't believe, I can't vote for the lesser two evils. and da, da, da. Okay, for whatever. I want to also implore people, in addition to, as Charmaine beautifully described, voting with a wide angle lens, not just thinking of yourself, your immediate family, the people you know and are familiar with, but thinking broader. Also, I want you to vote with a long view strategically. Right. To play the long game, and some of you aren't going to like this, not going to agree with it, and that is fine. It's just my job to say to request it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. one of the things we're seeing with these rollbacks, and you said it, the Republicans and the right wingers, conservatives, whatever the words you want to use, they are brilliant
0: and city very
1: brilliant at they're strategic and they play. The long game. But we mm-hmm. don't vote, and especially liberals, progressives, Democrats, often, most often, do not vote strategically with the long game in mind, which is why we keep losing out to these folks.
0: Yeah. We need they're to patient.
1: Look, okay? They're more patient
0: than They're patient
1: and they're strategic. Mm-hmm. And they long game in it. They're long. They didn't necessarily like Cheeto. I don't like to say his name. Sure. Yeah, I don't don't necessarily. They didn't necessarily like him or think he was great, but they were voting for their self-interest, which is, again, preserving whiteness. So they would elect a clown, a buffoon, a joke, basically,
0: because that was strategic, too. They knew that he would rile up the right number of people.
1: And people because do you think the turtle
0: people? thinks he's voting for himself for the next 10 to 15, 20 years? No, the turtle's gonna be dead soon. He knows he's gonna be dead soon. He do not care that he's gonna be dead soon. Right. He cares about the legacy of what
1: uh, well, he's and, the and the power structure that he believes serves him, whether or not it actually serves him. But that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I want y'all as you're voting wide, as Charmaine is again, um, I want you to vote long. I wa- It is a- one of the problems. I'm just going to rant. Give me a- this auntie rant coming up. Auntie rant moment. Auntie and R- sorry, I just had a 13-year-old
0: boy moment, too, because we're
1: talking about wide and long,
0: and I giggled. So <laughs> we said we were going to get messy. Hey,
1: auntie hey, right. hey, But anyway, never mind. <laughs> Whew, all right, we, don't, we don't know if you're editing that out or not. That's a lovely thought. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> back to voting. Back to <laughs> voting. And then we'll go back to fun stuff. Back to wide and Oh, Lord. Back to voting. Um, Back to voting. One of the things, one of the problems, not just in this country, but certainly in this country, is we are infatuated with and obsessed with celebrity. We think we have to like a candidate. Yes, I'm talking like an old auntie. I am on the porch in the rocking chair with some good legal weed in one hand and some ice (laughs) cream lemonade Something else in the other, rocking and and preaching. So y'all just listen to me for a hot minute. You don't have to like them. You're not going to date them, hang out with them. You probably never meet them, okay? You you don't have to, this lesser of two evil things, that is what our system is built on. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to like it. You're not supposed to like it. It's not supposed to make you feel good or make you happy. But if we on the other side, don't learn to play the long game and be strategic and be objective. And Kamala Harris is a perfect example. Madam Vice President, Kamala Harris is a perfect example. We voted for her knowing the duality. but she's a Democrat, and we was trying to get Cheeto TF out of office a sap. okay? So and we're still paying the price for his shenanigans, but but we, you know, we voted for Obama strategically to get a bush out of office mm-hmm. okay we voted for clinton strategically to get a papa bush out of office again mm-hmm. not because we're and i remember barack obama said it at the very beginning of his first candidacy and nobody listened don't make me the messiah yeah he said that and that's what we keep doing we keep acting like we have to love this person and stand for it. This is not celebrity worship. These people are making decisions that impact our actual everyday lives. Yeah. And they are, most of them, regardless of who they are, are not making decisions with our well-being at the top of their list of priorities. That's not how government works, yes. unfortunately, most of the time.
0: On a small level, you can literally just check your own Congress person, like your own city council person, your own local government person that's within your own district and see how often they vote aligned with the majority of the people registered in that state. So not necessarily just aligned with you, but like if you live in a district that's majority Democrat and you voted for someone, how often do they actually vote along, say, party lines versus how they vote in general? most often they are not following their
1: consistency at all.
0: And they're certainly not consulting us. Like, And they're
1: not thinking, listen, they're not thinking about us. They are not making, and when they get into those positions of power, y'all, they're not thinking about your life. They're not thinking about my life. They're not thinking about Charmaine's life. They're not thinking about us. We're the little ants on the ground, Okay. They are they want to preserve power sometimes it's ego, sometimes it's a lot of other things. but we need to understand that. and that's what we mean by political whiteness is being able to be critical think critically and analytically and be objective. It doesn't mean you don't care it doesn't mean you don't care it you know or anything like that and that you don't have preferences and all that but what it means is, that you have to understand the actual machine, what drives it, what fuels it, what it was created to do and what it's going to continue to do. And that all of our lives and the lives of of people who are poor, people who are um, intentionally marginalized, people of color are often considered fodder and collateral damage. So let's circle back to Roe v. Wade, collateral damage. Mm-hmm. They're happy to have more Black and Brown women dying in childbirth. They are willing to have more Black and Brown babies born who aren't wanted. And what we know, what we know is there are a few things sadder and more potentially problematic and tragic than an unwanted child being raised by parents who don't want that child. I mean, the, 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 the stage is set for toxicity, dysfunction, and, and all kinds of abuse and, and, and mm-hmm. terror. Okay. Mm-hmm. Th- that they, that that's collateral damage. They make these decisions in every war, there is, col- there is collateral damage. They are willing to have the collateral damage to get what they want. So, and while technically there may not be enough more white babies born to satisfy their goals. That isn't going to stop them. And remember, these rules are also being made from a very archaic, patriarchal, say it with me, agenda. Women, you know, even white women are not seen as fully human. I mean, poor Nancy Pelosi came out and couldn't even, I'm depressed, I can't even talk. What? Right? Yeah. She came out like befuddled and bemuddled. Okay? After the ruling. So, you know, understand that preserving humanity is not their goal. Presuming, presu- Preserving and advancing what they perceive as their humanity is their goal, and they're willing to have the rest of us be that collateral damage that if we suffer, if we die, if we remain in poverty, that serves them. That serves political whiteness, right? So how are we dealing with as people of color, regardless of our mix, what we look like, how we identify, how we affiliate, the browning of America, and if people of color so substitute your own favorite word if you don't like that one bipop people color whatever works for you um become the statistical majority in the united states which still could happen
0: mm-hmm.
1: how's we that also going have to be in solidarity how's that going to impact you listeners right mm-hmm. like where where will you fall right and again, we're we're just posing an open-ended question. We're right. not here to criticize or judge whatever your response might be. But we're here to ask you to explore that, yeah. right? In the context of this political whiteness and understand, like you said earlier, insidious, political whiteness is cruel. Mm-hmm. It is cruel. It is not concerned with you doing well.
0: Yeah, any kind of hierarchical structure can be dangerous right can be Mm -hmm. toxic like in in some cases in which like needing a team lead for a project might not be toxic Mm. there's other versions of that that if hierarchical in terms of um who gets treated best for race wise for for physical you know stamina wise for political reasons like there's so many ways in which uh hierarchical societies will be damaging and toxic um so you have to be able to view that you have to be able to align yourself with the people that will either fight against that kind of structure or double yes. down on the, on the fact that you are pro the hierarchy, as long as you're on top, you know, like, yes, because yes. that's what, that, that's what frustrates me about the democratic party at the moment too. Cause um, they're, they're crying in their cornflakes. Also, um, you know, Nancy with the Kente cloth will say that she can't, Like you said, she doesn't understand how this happened and it makes her so sad. You know how it happened? Amy got confirmed. Brett got confirmed. You know, like there are ways in which they were, they had ways of protecting us. That's right. And they failed. And they failed. So it's not just a failure of the Supreme Court. It's not just a failure of the presidency. It is also a failure of... The Senate and the, and the House, and these are the people who have the most say, honestly. Yes.
1: There's more of
0: them, too. Yes. They have the most say in the structure of what happens in this country. So mm-hmm. if it mattered enough for them to not align themselves with political whiteness, mm-hmm. Amy would not have gotten confirmed in, you know, two minutes. Right. Brett would not have been
1: confirmed. Going all the way back to Clarence Thomas would not have exactly. been confirmed. Exactly. Exactly, they you know. they have an agenda. That's what we're trying to say. Political whiteness always has an agenda, always has a goal. And there, the other thing is, they're so arrogant. They they don't try to hide their agenda. Mm-mm. They're not even. I mean, they don't respect us enough to even try. You know, they're like they're upfront. They're unapologetic about all of it, from the racism to the sexism to the patriarchy to the everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's political whiteness, so we just wanted to like you said, this is messy, we knew it was messy, but we're 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 in a time where we have to dive in sometimes to these murky, muddy, swampy yeah. waters, and, and it doesn't get clear right away. It just uh-huh. is starting the process. It doesn't get clear and it might not get clear anytime soon, but we want we just want all of you to understand that we're you know as usual, coming out of love and concern and experience. And we're in these spaces looking, and it's looking crazy. But also, while it's perfectly normal to feel overwhelmed and sometimes get down and everything else, that's honor that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What
1: I do to get through these times, if it helps anybody else great, is I literally look back to the ancestors who survived much worse so we'd be here. hmm Everyone wants to interpret that. Okay. Yeah. They survived much worse or we wouldn't be here. And I, you know, I asked them, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need y'all to give me a little strength, some, some fortitude, some vision, some encouragements and what'd you do, you know, or just remembering that they got through all this and that, I believe, and this is my own very personal subjective belief. I'm not foisting it on anybody. I'm just sharing it in case it has value for anybody. I believe that this is my spiritual thing, that we are warriors and we are put here to try to work towards something better than we were born into or that we happen to find ourselves in. That's what keeps me going. That's my subjective spiritual thing that keeps me going, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we were born to fight this. Does that mean we know what that, how we're going to fight or, you know, anything. Or that else. your fight has to look exactly like the
0: person next to you too. Mm, like that's a really good point. Everybody right? has a different everybody aspect that they can contribute. I, I talk about that too, even with a- a- activism where some people might feel like they don't do enough and you know, that depends on, on what you're capable of and what you have the bandwidth for. Like I've always described myself, I'm not a marcher. I, right. I'm not confident physically and things like that. So the way that I, I do my activism is mostly through elevation with my platforms and, yep. you know, supporting people when I have money to do it and things like yep. that. Um, and yet I still feel like I'm a part of the fight. Right. Um, I don't have a whole lot of political power as me myself, but I do have a community, you know, that I communicate with through this platform and whether or not we are all aligned, perhaps what they learn through you know, guests that I have or conversations that like the McSanti conference table that we do, you know, if if that helps crystallize a decision for somebody, then as they move, you know, um, change is happening. So I think it's a different thing than what they taught us in school, which is if you can impact just one person in your life, you know, you've lived a good life. I think it's a different thing like that. I I think the the goal is to positively uh, impact as many people as you can and, um, in the ways that you can, yes. And even if you've signed up for something like this—content creation, activism, political positions, whatever—doesn't mean that you have to perform it the exact same way as other people. Like for me, I couldn't talk about it on Friday. I couldn't do an episode la- um, last week. I was trying to do it, and I was like, "It'll t- my feelings and my vibe will take away from the the pre-recorded episode." You know, like mm-hmm. I know that my in- my intros can influence the way you enter an episode and stuff like that. So being mindful about that, it was like, I'm just not going to release an episode this week. Y'all, you know, this is the best that I could do. Give me some space from it. Now I'm having a conversation with you and it's a little bit easier to have that conversation now, but it wasn't a few days ago. It wasn't a
1: week ago, you know? Um, But that's the authenticity you bring Charmaine. That's the authenticity that I believe is one of our greatest um, assets. And weapons, okay, because I when I saw that message from you, it made me happy. it made me happy. that was learned that's, too <laughs> that's been learned since doing the show. I did not use to right, but I was very happy space. to see that it, it you know we, the, the the popular term which sometimes gets criticized, but I still think it has value is self-care the The popular thing is, you know what I remember the day after Cheetah was elected, my young adult daughter um, didn't go to work. And I said, oh, she said, and we laughed. I said, yeah, you called out black, huh? She said, yep. (laughs) Oh, so many of us. (laughs) So many of us called out black on that day. Called out black on that day in November 2016. Okay, so I am always a fan. I'm always a fan on whatever level of, because th- this stuff is overwhelming, no matter who you are. And then depending on your intersections and who you are and how you roll and all of that, you could be like, today it's going to be me, some ice cream, some Netflix, some whatever it is I do to you know, stay mm-hmm. straight, um, to stay together, keep myself functioning, I might be laying up in the bed napping with the kitty girls. And you know, these cats they love it when you take a nap, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. Maybe they like I don't even know where they are in the apartment. But They'll the just show up <laughs> during the day, I hit that bed within seconds, they both like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's our turn too. She go, yeah. they're like, oh, she be she she's being a cat right now. Yeah. <laughs> they that's love funny. that. They so but love, yeah. but no, but it's whatever it is for you. I think that's what I'd love us to kind of wrap up with is. Whatever you gotta do to sustain, to recharge, if you gotta cry, holler, scream, go for a walk, hang out in nature, listen to some music, mm-hmm. watch some whatever, do whatever it is, please, please do it. Yeah. And please do it when you know, hopefully it's constructive.
0: Yeah. Somehow.
1: I mean, I don't know if my ice cream fixes constructive. <laughs> But it's you know not the worst thing it could be <laughs> not, on the on the on the scale of things that you know
0: we all know what we're referring like to. should I do ice cream or should I burn down this building
1: <laughs> right. like, or self harm no <laughs> you know. ice cream baby eat the ice cream yeah. exactly but the point is you know in some kind of some kind of healthy constructive which doesn't mean you have to impress anybody achieve anything sometimes we got to be we got to stop doing and just be and just go this is a lot let it just be a lot let it just be a lot and just go this is a lot you know some of us i have i have friends i reach out to and we just go oh baby lord mm." and sometimes that's all we say yeah And then we, you know, we catch up or whatever, but we are acknowledging the weight. Yeah. We are acknowledging the emotional difficulty. Right. And that's how we get through it. Yeah. I believe that's how we get through it. You got your people, your community, your support mechanisms, your whatever it is. Line those up, babies. But again, think about what we're talking about, about political whiteness and how it impacts you and other mm-hmm. people, people you love, yeah. people you know, people you don't know.
0: You know, we have that little phrase or joking phrase that's like, you know, um, maneuver with the confidence of a mediocre white man. I, <laughs> I feel like there's a version of that here, too, in terms of like our our voting strategy and stuff like that. Like if they didn't if voting didn't matter, because I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like you have an impact. If voting didn't matter, they wouldn't work so hard to redline us, to gerrymander us, to prevent us from, from voting, to stop buses that says that you're coercing people into voting. They wouldn't work so hard to take away the vote if it didn't, in fact, matter. So the next step of that is not only just doing your vote, but getting involved in solidarity work so that we, our voices are louder and stronger, have more power, carry more weight. Full stop, I will always say that till the day I die when it comes to voting. It does feel moot sometimes. It does feel like you don't have an impact sometimes. Yes. But, but again, I'm watching who's paying attention. I'm watching who's trying to stop us, and that's yes. why I know it's important. So, Take that for whatever that mean, means means yeah. to you. Co-sign, but in addition no, to that, yeah, it matters. Yeah, it matters. But in addition to that, voting, like we were talking about, with a wide view and a long view for the future, with the same strategy and mentality that they have about that, they know they're not making a change that is going to necessarily happen in their lifetime. They know it's coming. It, you know, they're preserving a, le- a legacy that stretches back to the so-called forefathers of this particular country. They know they're just maintaining status quo. They're making it harder for those that they view as a lower caste in every step of the way, but there's an ultimate goal that they're pushing towards that they know they may not see. I may not ever see a time in which black and brown people in this country are are not only free-free, but the majority. I know that that may not happen in my lifetime. Do I want to help create ways in which that stuff gets codified like and, and, and stuck and, and viewed with the, the stronger weight as, as they're viewing the second amendment. Um, You know, like that's what I'm thinking of when I'm, when I'm thinking about this kind of stuff. So I'm going to roll into that ballot box with the confidence of a mediocre white man, (laughs) you know, who has some form of power and I'm going to try to make, um, some help there or you know make some change there but there's other things there's having conversations like this there's there's putting myself in positions to speak on different topics that you know I may or may not have a lot of expertise on but I have something and you know I won't talk about something that I won't necessarily that I don't feel any kind of confidence in stuff like that and it's chipping away it's chipping away until I guess until I'm done or I leave or, I, you know, whatever, I don't know, but it's continuing to do the work because someone else will pick up whatever I leave behind later. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's how this thing works. I mean, we have a limited amount of time on this planet. We try to impact where we can. And ultimately we know that they know we have power. Yes. What we lack is the confidence to bound together and wield that power.
1: So that's what we need to get. Right on. No, I'm serious. (laughs) I'm serious. I can say that as a boomer. Okay. I'm serious. I want y'all that that was, that was perfect. Perfect. Auntie Sermon, Uh, Auntie Maine. And I, and that's the message. And then the message is just, you know, keep struggling with this. And I love what you said about you're not an expert. None of us is, but if you're curious And you never stop questioning, investigating, asking, wondering, okay? And if you are determined to try to make whatever kind of difference you can in the place and time you're at, that is going to make a difference. You are going to make a difference. You have so much power. You are so valuable and so precious. And we love you. And don't forget to be your mixed <laughs> Thank you.
0: Militantly Mixed is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed.